Hello, welcome to episode one of the Sales Syndicate uh, podcast. I'm your host, uh, Max Mitchum. Really excited to be here. And we're joined by a very exciting guest, uh, Ellis Campbell. Um, so Ellis has you know over seven, eight years experience within sales, probably a little bit more. I, I don't mean to be uh, shortchanging you there, Ellis, but welcome to the first uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Good, good. Well, listen, you know, this is obviously very new for me and, and new for obviously Selligent launching this, this this podcast. And the goal of, you know, this series is to meet, you know, individuals such as yourself, uh, leaders within the sales space, account executive SDRs, and really start to dive into areas that are challenging sales individuals um, at the moment. And, you know, there's no better place to start than Q4, which is obviously where we're in now. There is a lot of anxiety that comes with uh, Q4, both good and bad. Um, so I think that'll be the, you know, the subject for today. But before we get into that, you know, I'd love to start with a little bit of introduction about yourself. Who are you? You know, where you've learned your sales career, you know, whether you've been selling to SME, enterprise, Just give me a bit of an overview of you. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm currently the head of enterprise at Selligence, obviously working uh, with yourself. Uh, I actually started my sales career out um, at a company called NCC Group, which for, for those who don't know is a cybersecurity business. Um, and I've nice. probably covered all the different varieties of roles within that, that business. I started out as a, an account manager working on largely public services, trying to work with them to increase spend on business continuity and cybersecurity. Eventually worked my way up into a senior account manager, key account manager, global account manager, where I start working with more of the larger enterprise clients, uh, in particular financial services, before taking a role as a global cloud specialist, working on our go-to-market strategy for our cloud proposition, um, again, working with larger enterprise. Um, then made the move across to a company called Dataminer, um, enterprise account sales there again. I uh, was there for about a year and a half. And then, lo and behold, Max Mitchin popped up. Managed to poach me and get me to come and join you guys at Selligent. So uh, there we go. That, that's me in a me in a nutshell. But yeah, I've, yeah. I've probably managed every sort of account you could possibly imagine in every sort of country. So there's there's okay. not many territories I haven't sort of dipped my toes in. Nice. Well, you've you've been around the block for the sounds <laughs> of things, um, which means you've experienced quite a few Q fours. Uh, yes. So maybe give me like your experiences on a Q4, <laughs> the goods, the bads, the uglies, you know, your experiences. Yeah, I've had such mixed varieties. I mean, for me, mm. it really starts with how does your financial year run? So if you run on a, a calendar year for your financial year, your Q4 is obviously coming up to the Christmas period. And that's very different to some of the other companies and businesses I've been at. So you have a Q4 with Christmas and you've got traditionally a very hard month to try and grind and finish the end of the financial year strongly and make up for any gap in that Christmas period, which is notoriously difficult. People take a lot of annual leave. People are away. Um, if you can time your financial year end to be around, say, like a May time, it can be quite good because people typically will tend to get new budget in January or in April and you've got a chance for a full month to try and close out. So um, I've worked in a few different businesses. Some have had that more calendar year focus, my last two roles. Some have been geared towards more of a May time where I would say it's a lot easier and there's less Q4 anxiety because people open up budget, there's purse strings there. But at the same time, that does mean you typically have gone through that harder Christmas period earlier on in your financial year. So normally you've got a bit of a gap to close in the, in the end of Q4. Um, 
So I'd say there's this pros and cons to all of it. Um, I've had uh, Q4s where I've absolutely smashed it, managed to catch up mm. with my yearly target and carry me over and carry the floor over. I've had Q4s where it's coming up around the Christmas time. My two key decision makers on my largest deal have taken annual leave. And unfortunately, I was too too solely reliant on one or two opportunities and uh, I've ended up narrowly missing. So um, yeah, that's, that's my experiences. I can definitely relate yeah. to Q4 anxiety. Um, yeah, it really depends on, on how you set yourself up for it. Uh- very boom or bust, I feel like Q4. It's got the potential to be because you you got a lot of deals riding going into that December time. And, you know, sometimes deals just get out of the control. We'll go into like why deals go out of control in, in a yeah. sec, but it can leave you, you know, in an all or nothing <clears throat> situation potentially. Um, you, which you're is always a. Um, you're always in an all or nothing situation really though, aren't you? I mean, even if you've overachieved, sure. you've still got a floor wide target. You're still trying to hit those additional kickers. There's always some reason why you need to try and drag that extra piece of business in some sort of, whether it be an incentive, a team, you know, a team trip away. There's always something I always feel in Q4. That means there's always just that little bit extra pressure um, to try and deliver. So is there, is there any difference then like in a Q4 versus like a Q1. And now when I'm saying Q4, I'm, I'm thinking calendar year Q4, okay, for the purpose of um, this call. So, you know, is there any difference really between Q4 and like a Q2? Or are we just maybe putting self-imposed pressure on ourselves because it's calendar end, it's Christmas, everyone wants to end the year on a high, regardless if your financial results are different time or anything. It's, it's that psychological effect of ending a year on a bank. So do we as sellers put more pressure on ourselves, do you reckon? I think we do put more pressure on ourselves, but I think companies also add that pressure on. So when you look at promotions, when you look at, and like I said, extra incentives, it's all geared towards that year and annual number. If I'm coming up to Q1 and I'm, I'm having a slower Q1, I know, right, well, I've got three months to make this up. I've got three months to start a new gap. When you're in that Q4, um, you know, that can sometimes, hitting that target can be the difference between either a large amount of commission or it could be the next progression or the next promotion within role. So I think part of it is we do impose it on ourselves because we know we're, we're going back to zero, that this is how we're going to be remembered for that financial year. Um, but I sort of get why we do that. You know, it's all geared towards that. Um, ultimately, everyone's got, stakeholders shareholders that you need to report back to on a yearly basis so i i think we do put extra pressure on ourselves but i also think that a lot of the pressure should really be off because your q4 is representative of the work you've done in q2 or q3 if i'm trying to find any net new opportunities in q4 especially on a calendar year to try and close out in that quarter I think you're you've sort of missed a trick you're going to be struggling because yeah. trying to close fresh new opportunities out in and around Christmas time is this is this difficult and it puts a lot more pressure on yourself. Mm. Why why is it difficult to close things out at Christmas time? Well, there's I guess there's two two arguments. The, the months where I've hit my Q4 in a, a Christmas calendar year, it's been because I've managed the process well and I've actually used the fact that we've got a shorter month in the Christmas period as a way to try and drive and close out business. So been able to outline to them, look, let's actually, let's try and get this done. Let's get this in place before we both break off, before we have a two or three week gap where we're both going to be away from this. We're going to have to come back and revisit it. 
So if you can use that Christmas period as a closing tactic, I think it can work quite well. The, the months where I've, I've missed in a, in a, whether it be Q4 or just a quarter based around Christmas is where I haven't done the prep. I haven't created the additional pipeline that I know I need to do because it's a short month. You know, if one deal falls off, you need to make sure you've got the pipeline there to be able to compensate that. So maybe I haven't focused enough on top of funnel within Q3 to make sure I have enough pipeline there to actually close out Q4, given there's going to be extra annual leave, there's going to be other difficulties around that period of time. Right. So I'm a big believer in like prep for Q4 starts in Q3, right? If we don't have a big BD quarter, like we're going to struggle because the reality is with Thanksgiving, with Christmas holidays, you know, it's almost like you've got, you know, 1.8 months in that quarter of like working time, like really, uh, maybe two months at a maximum, um, given like holidays and and things like that. So, you know, whether you, even if you're on a quick deal cycle of like four weeks, it's still very fast. You've got to try and be able to close deals. So, but I I don't know how, do you think that's the same? Like, do you, do you disagree? Do you think like you can create pipeline in Q4 or do you think your, your quarter is determined by the pipeline that you build in Q3? I feel like it's, it is largely determined by pipeline built in Q3. I think you can always go into Q4 and you can dig out and find those opportunities um, maybe where there is a shorter sales cycle. I feel like the risk there is if you become really overly reliant on finding new opportunities in Q4, you can start forcing through deals or trying to put them through at speed that they shouldn't really be running at. And you can sometimes cost yourself a deal or you can actually delay the process further. So rather than letting it go organically and making sure I get buy-in from the right stakeholders that might naturally take more time, because I have that impending deadline, I might start forcing through that that conversation, that opportunity, trying to progress to a, a proposal or a, a deal closing stage when I haven't actually engaged enough of the stakeholders. And that's not because I haven't got the ability to, but it's because I'm trying to create a quicker sales cycle to make sure I'm meeting that deadline. So I feel like if you can search out low hanging fruit and Q4 opportunities where actually, you know, the decision-making process, you know, it's a shorter cycle, or you're already in with the key decision makers and you could fully vetted out that process. I think you can make up some of the gap, but I think if you haven't already done a lot of the pipeline building through Q3, you're just making it really difficult for yourself in Q4. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's look at December, maybe November closing, right? Um, holidays are looming. Yeah. How do you you're you're on a demo? Maybe even maybe even it's the start of a process, right? It's a cold call. If you if you do quick deal, um, if your deal time is pretty quick, so you can close it within that period. But let's say you're running a demo. How can you best manufacture that process to understand how to close it in December? Like, what are some of the tactics that you can use during a demo or a closing process to understand if it is able to close in December and how you kind of push that into a December close? No, it's a good question. Um, I mean, for me, I think most of it comes back to an element of transparency um, and also an element of asking the right questions. So sometimes as salespeople, we don't like to ask the questions. We, we, sorry, right. we, we, don't, we don't want those, right? We don't want to look for the, the reason why it won't. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want to, I want to believe that I can close this deal out for Q4. So rather than actually yeah. going through and asking the right questions, as difficult as they may be, it's probably better to vet that out. And then I have a realistic forecast for Q4. 
then someone tells me, oh, actually, I like this. And yeah, we do have some budget. And I take that as brilliant. This is going to close out in Q4. I don't actually ask, well, actually, what's your procurement process? What's your um, PO process? What's your onboarding process? What's the, who else, what other decision makers need to come in? There's budget there, but who else do we need to pitch this to? And I think sometimes we, we get, we hear the message we want to hear and then we don't necessarily, not everyone, and we all try to do it, but we need to make sure we're digging a little bit deeper um, so we can understand the full process. And, and if we do hear all the right things, then brilliant. Then we can say, look, transparently, our end of quarter's coming up. We're going to have a new financial year. You know, we need to try and really wrap this up before then. We're going to have a large number of new clients coming on. We want to be able to make sure we can meet your timelines. So I always try to be as transparent as I can. And as long as you've built a good relationship with them, normally they'll be willing to try and work with you. If they know that you're a business and you're trying to hit your financial year end, if it's feasible, they'll work with you. They're not going to be intentionally difficult. But sometimes I think some salespeople who I've worked with in the past will try to create almost like false reasons to bring it forward. And they, people can read that a mile off. So it's all about really, for me, transparency, trying to make sure you're both singing off the same hymn sheet. You've asked the right questions. You set yourself up for it. And then you'll understand realistically, have I got a chance of closing this? If you have, brilliant. Let's try and work to that deadline. If you haven't, that's fine. That's a Q1 deal to be reviewed and looked at. Let's get that in motion, but then let's start focusing, refocusing our time and attention on the other opportunities, which might be able to close out in Q4. Mm. And when, you know, the psychology behind December, maybe even November kind of closing is everyone, everyone's buying stuff, right? They're buying stuff, you know, for for their loved ones for family it's christmas <laughs> presents right everyone's in that like mode of like hey this is the month to buy and i definitely think that does transpire in into q4 like people are kind of probably a little bit more open to potentially buying timelines are the hardest part right um but with that you know i, I think because people are a little bit more susceptible when you went to into january february people go way more closed off as well, I've, I've I've noticed because they're like the planning, you know, it's 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 into forecast mode. Listen, let me come back to you. I, I just need to make sure that we got all our, you know, our, our ducks lined and things like that. Um, so when do you know to push and to go quite aggressive with getting that deal done end of year, or when do you know to leave that into Q1? Because I've seen it where people leave it, they close it. I've seen where people leave it. And it doesn't transpire because people go into this planning mode and therefore it kind of fizzles out as a process. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's, to, yeah, it's trying to decide whether to push or not, isn't it? You don't want to force through and potentially tarnish a good relationship by trying to rush through an opportunity. But at the same time, we've all got targets and, and numbers to hit. Um, again, I think a lot of it comes back to asking the right sort of questions. When you get to Q4, so you mentioned there, going into Q1, it can be quite difficult to actually close out deals in, say, January. And a lot of time, that's because the decisions on what's going to happen to their tech stack has already been made in November, December. They're setting their budgets in November, December for Q1. So a lot of the time, the conversations you're having is about whether you've been included within that discussion, whether you've been included within that budget. Now, sometimes if you've been included within the budget, you can still get a contract signed in, say, December with a go-live date for January. Brilliant. You know, it's revenue. You can have that on the books. Other times you can be included within the budget, but the contract's not going to be signed to January. Um, yeah. But also because they're looking at so, many, so much other tech stack, typically might be the start of their financial year. If you're trying to pitch to them to close out in January, they're probably already going through similar processes with other suppliers, 
probably going through setting their own budgets for the forthcoming year. They're setting their own targets. So January can be quite a difficult month if you haven't already put in the prep work in Q4. So I think with all of it, it's it's vetting at that out. It's understanding what the process is and then deciding based upon what they've told me, can I get away with trying to push this through? You know, are the right people going to be around in November, December? Have we already been included with the budget? Have we already got a set of pre-agreed terms? If we can answer all of those questions, brilliant. Let's try and push and let's try and close that. If there's a lot of unanswered questions, we're pushing, we're not getting the right feedback. Maybe they've been slightly unresponsive because they've got other priorities going on. And realistically, you're just pushing that contact further away. That's when I've always think the right time is to say, okay, look, appreciate you're busy. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to cover off. You know, realistically, is this going to be feasible in Christmas or should we revisit this in Q1? And sometimes but no one likes asking questions. those questions, right? Why, why does everyone shy away from, from looking for because, that? Nerd? Because they're scared that they're going to ask, should we wait for this to be in Q1? And they're going to say, yes, Q1 is going to be the deadline. And then they're worried that that's off their pipeline and their forecast for Q4. But back to our point earlier, if, if you're asking the question and it's not ready to Q1, you, you're only fooling yourself. If you're including that in your forecasting, your pipeline to hit your number for the year, but realistically, it's never going to come in into Q1. It's just a false representation. You're better off being honest, mm. moving it out to Q1, and then focusing back and saying, right, now what can I do to impact my Q4? Where can I find the low-hanging fruit? Where can I visit old opportunities? Maybe even people who have actually got budget. You know, a lot of time we talk about people want a new budget. You do get people who have got their budget allocation for a year. They get to November, December time. If they don't use that budget up, come January when they review it back, they're going to say, well, actually, you didn't use X amount. You know, so we're going to keep the budget the same. Everyone wants to use that budget up so we can keep getting increased. So I always think there are there are ways to try and leverage that. And that's the right time to try and push and yeah. deals in Q4 rather than forcing through someone who's waiting for a, for a January budget. And, and I think, you know, if you surface the objections, it allows you to counteract them. Like if you can't, if you can't get those objections up there, like whether it is a January deal or not, like there might be a reason because they feel like, okay, hey, it's going to take us four weeks to implement, but you're like, it's a it's a one day implementation. If that was your concern, like let's get this done. Do you know? What I mean? yeah. It might be something as simple that you never know. And so if you're not, if you don't ask, then you can never like challenge someone. I think it's always important to to challenge people or to understand their perspective behind their objection, um, whether it's a Q1, whether it's a push, whatever it is. Like get you know, to take anything from today. It's two. It's like prepare for Q4 and it's make sure that we're challenging and yeah. surfacing like potential objections, asking the tough questions that, that people don't want to ask. Um, especially around the Christmas time, because no one wants, no one wants to ask those more than ever because they want to go, they want to close the year well and they want to go into the Christmas period feeling successful, feeling kind of validated and the way that most people in sales, and this is the wrong way to do it, but the way that most people validate themselves, whether they're good or not at their job is, what do my results say? It's, that's the wrong way to do it, but that's how a lot of people do it. And that's why Q4 anxiety is a real thing because it's it's like, it's extra emphasis and people are extra like sensitive. Sensitive is not the right word. They're just extra focused on their feelings around the holiday period. And that's why everything can be a little bit more strengthened, I think as well um, during Q4. No, I, I think you're. I think you're spot on there. And um, you know, let's be honest. You, you go through. You get to the start of Q4. You know, there's always a massive push. Everyone's always going normally for a team objective. So when you go to put your forecast forward, you want to look at, you know, your pot of opportunities of what could close. 
know, a lot of the time you want there to be a big number. You want your manager to get excited. You want your head of sales, your VP, you want everyone there getting pumped. So when you see that, you see other salespeople all trying to push through and, you know, killing or curing all of their opportunities to try and create that big final push. The temptation is to then go, well, actually, yeah, I'm going to pile up everything I've got that I think could ever possibly close. And, you know, you don't ask that question because you don't want to vet it out because you still want a big pipeline so that you can at least tell your manager, yeah, this is what I'm going after to try and close that gap. But as you know, from probably working with me, I, I think that's a, a false representation. And then your manager goes away back to the business and forecasts that. And if you don't achieve that, you all end up looking worse off. It's a lot better to go realistically. This is what I've got in play. Here are the opportunities that I've got in a, an uplift situation where I might try to bring those forward and close them out, but they are an uplift and at least you can manage and have realistic expectations. Yeah, nice. And uh, moving tax slightly, right? So uh, an interesting stat is that some of the highest turnover in staff is in Q1, typically where people hand in their notice and, and you know, uh, move on to another opportunity is it tends to be January, February. And I think there are a lot of reasons potentially why here, but do you think that your Q4 results, by the way, I have no stats to say that it is Q4 results. I'm just wondering, yeah. like, do you think there is a correlation between those that are successful in Q4? And it links back to my previous part about them validating themselves by their results in Q4. So those who feel successful and hit their targets will often stay with the company those that don't and, and create that big anxiety over the Q4, they view the new year as a fresh start and move on because they've developed a lot of anxiety over that end of year close, hitting their targets, and therefore it kind of creates a negative spin where they are currently and, and want to move on. Do you, do you think there's a link there or do you think not at all? No, no, I, I, think, you're, I think that's one of the reasons why. I definitely think people... We'll get to Q1, and although Q4 is what we're talking about here, I think people get to the end of the financial year and they'll look back at the whole year as a whole and they'll look at, you know, how well have I done? What have I earned? What are the opportunities that are there? Um, like you said, it's very rare if you see someone that's absolutely smashing their target, they're taking home good commission. It's rare that you're going to see them proactively looking for a new role. The only other thing I would add to that, um, other than, you know, Q4 anxiety, looking back at the year and maybe not hitting the targets, it's traditionally, you get to January, it's a new financial year. That's when, in theory, you'll have a new comp plan. So the only other thing I would say, in addition to you know how you've done on the previous year and how the Q4 has gone in terms of staff retention, is you get to the new year, as much as a salesperson will look back, the sales leaders will also look back, deciding moving forward what the comp plan is going to be. Sometimes it's a good thing. I've had gone into new financial years where I've been pleasantly surprised and, you know, actually they've gone, we want to reward the right behaviors and this is the comp plan and this is how we believe you can earn more. Equally, I've had businesses where they've gone, well, we're 5% shy of our target. We need to make this back. But I feel like some of the salespeople are still earning the comps they've got. They change the comp plan. And then you've got maybe got an individual who's maybe they've just missed target. They've still done a decent number. They've, you know, had a bit of a tough December, a tough Christmas period. Um, they've missed out and then they've had a new comp plan and all of that sort of congregates together to say, well, actually, maybe I should start looking for new opportunities. Um, and I feel like the Christmas period is time where you have a couple of weeks out of the office, you've got time to reflect, you talk to your family, and then people just do a lot more sort of like big life decision makings at, at that stage. So I feel like all three of those points really come together. And that's probably why you do see a large change of staff normally in that, that first quarter. 
Right. So it's not like solely linked on their results in, in, in Q4. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a major contributor because if, you, if you're over target and someone introduces a new comp plan, but you're confident you're going to overachieve on that new comp plan anyway, then the yeah. chances are you're still going to be happy. You're still going to be earning the money. It's the ones where maybe they've been hitting 90%, 80% of target and a new comp plan means that if they hit 80 or 90% again, they earn less. That's when people, it's just natural habit. You'll look at what you did last year and you'll try to figure out what you would earn if you did the same thing again, um, regardless of whether you've only missed it by a little bit. Naturally, you'll try to increase that year on year. But I, I think it's just natural human habits. Yeah. Okay. So I think a lot of people who listen to this, they'll, they'll be like, okay, great. You know, I understand, you know, some of the threats to Q4 and some of the hesitations to Q4, you know, and how it could be tough, but also how it can potentially be a good month with people being in that buying process or buying mode. Let's say you're an account executive now, like what can you be doing now? You know, maybe you haven't had the biggest Q3 in terms of lead gen. Okay. Your pipe's a little bit low. Like mm-hmm. what do you do now? We're on 25th of October. All right. We probably got, I don't know, seven or eight weeks left of the year, working weeks with Thanksgiving thrown in there. And then, you know, if you, if people shut down typically after Christmas. So you haven't got long left. Like, how do you get back on track? How do you hit your Q4 numbers? What's the advice? Yeah, I think you still, I mean, the answer is always to look at top of funnel, right? Um, we've also mentioned it's harder to close out in Q4, but you still got to continuously doing that top of funnel to try and hopefully find some of those opportunities. Um, but for me personally, I would start looking at where we've had success on a shorter sales cycle. I'd be looking for opportunities that fit within my segmentation where I can potentially go out and replicate that. So I can start maybe chasing some of those opportunities that are maybe I've been avoiding because I've been chasing larger strategic opportunities. But if, if I need to also, I guess, marry that with, with some smaller opportunities where I've got a shorter yeah. sales cycle, I'll try and sync that up. Um, I always think revisiting your pipeline. So looking back at previous opportunities where maybe you've actually done some of that legwork. So although it's not in your pipeline, your forecast now, if I vetted out, I know who the decision makers are. They're aware of my product, or my service or my offering. And I've done a lot of that legwork. It was just maybe poor timing or maybe there was other issues. I'd definitely go back and revisit some of those previous opportunities to see if I can re-engage any of those. And even if I can convert one or two more, you know, that can be the difference between just falling shy of target and, and making target. So okay. those are probably the two key areas, focusing on that top of funnel where I feel like I can get that sales cycle, but then also revisiting some of those other ops. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one, that, that last one there, like leveraging your CRM data, right? So working out, okay, who have you spoken to in January, February last you know, earlier in the year or, or whenever, who have said, you know, come back, speak to us, you know, in a couple of months time. The other really interesting thing that you can start doing there is, you know, just seeing generally in the business, like take it wider. You know, this obviously depends per business, what your, your traffic rules are and your sales engagement rules are, but use the CRM and search notes. <clears throat> I think that's probably, you know, one of the big ones there, search notes when people are asking for callbacks in a Q4 period or even in a Q1 period to see if you can see if anything's changed. I think in the space of the last two months, the world has changed, you know, however many times. I think we've had three prime ministers in the UK in the last (laughs) seven weeks. So if we can have three prime ministers, um, I'm pretty sure that people's strategies can change, you know, a couple of times in the space of a month. 
Um, so it's worth, it's definitely worth going into those notes sections there and revisiting it. From a from a lead gen perspective, um, this is a bit of a, a hotly debated, discussed tactic. Uh, you know, do you email? Do you cold call? Um, do you LinkedIn? You know, th- there are so many different ways, right? Omnichannel approach. But for Q4, are there any channels that you would say, you know, hey, like this just really works in Q4, just given the time of the year, it just has a better response rate better you know reply rate have you noticed any like trends there again it's, it's really hard because you probably see differences in different verticals and, and sectors um as an example if you're going down the emailing route and you're targeting large enterprise you know they get so much so many in, in messages and emails within that time period it's really hard to differentiate yourself and not end up in the, the spam folder so normally i would say you're better off just Ultimately, the quickest way to find out if you're going to win or lose or there's an opportunity there is to get someone on the phone. Lots of people still don't like cold calling. I think in the right setting and at the right time, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's always the quickest way to try and find out. I definitely think in Q4, that's where you would focus more time and attention. Um, again, with emails, if you have people's mobile numbers, even if they're on annual leave, you might be able to speak to them. They might tell you they're off, but look, no problem. Let's catch up when you're back. At least you can have that conversation, whereas... If you get into a time period where people are taking a lot of time out of the office, there is going to be annual leave. You know, you risk your email not only going to a spam folder, but you might hit someone's out of office. When they come back right. or they're ca- catching up, the chances are you're going to be one of many emails. So yeah. I definitely think uh, LinkedIn with maybe engaging in their content, more of a softer approach to try and start a conversation is probably quite good. But ultimately, if you really want to learn quickly, if there's something there to be had, try and get to them on the phone. Um, and try and speak to them. Yeah, yeah. Goes back to that earlier, you know, subject about just finding the answers faster, getting the nose faster. I, I also think like cold calling this time of year is probably the best time for me personally. Anyway, my own experience, like people are a little bit jolly. I love to lead with personality a lot. I can, I tend to be able to flip people into you know a happy you know conversation about Christmas, holidays, Thanksgiving. Halloween, you know, whatever it is, like you can get people talking usually and therefore you can open them open them up a little bit. There's just naturally more more stuff. People are naturally a little bit, uh, potentially a little bit happier as, as well. So um, cold calling can, can be great, I think, in, in, in Q4. I agree with the emails, with the holidays, you can get buried uh, potentially. Then again, you get some great data coming back from it because you can capture yeah. contact information. That's a good point. Um, yeah. The other the other interesting thing that I did once, um, or more than once, but in Q4, I, I used to send, like this is more enterprise focused now, but I used to send people, you know, a present. Um, this doesn't really <laughs> help to this doesn't really help to close deals in Q4. This is more of a Q1 tack to like opening up pipeline. But again, you know what has a hundred percent open rate? It's a, it's a gift. Uh, you don't need you don't need to use these. I know there are loads of tools here. Hey, we're not sponsored by anyone on this podcast, so you can use you know <laughs> any other tools out there that use these gifting services. You don't need to. I've never I've never actually used one in the past. I've just purchased stuff off Amazon and sent it to people's offices. You get a great response rate as well. But again, I probably would only use that for enterprise. And again, people are more receptive for that in Christmas time, right? And you can usually do a clever little play. Um, around whatever you're you're doing, that's an also an interesting tactic to take around top of the funnel. 
um, during Q4. No, I, um, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a physical gift, does it? As well, depending on what your product serving or offering is, maybe you're just offering them you know, some insight. Maybe you're offering them some sort of uh, access to the service. Maybe you're, you're giving them almost like a taster, a free sample of what's to come. Um, but you position it as that it's Christmas time. You know, it's it's slightly more receptive. People can appreciate the reason why you're reaching out. So even if you don't want to go out and send a bottle of whiskey or reach out to some individual in a business, you know, the people still are quite open to a, to some sort of offering. It's very hard to turn it down. If you're in, you know, as an example, we target salespeople. If I turn around to someone and said, hey, do you want me to send you some free leads? Here you go. Regardless of whether they're interested in our platform or service, they're still going to see the value in it. They're still going to take the opportunity to investigate that to see if it's going to, if it's going to help them. So yeah, it can be an interesting time to try those slightly different tactics. Okay, nice. Well, listen, to, to wrap today off and been great talking to you, I, I got two two more questions uh, sure. for you, uh, which I want to create a little bit of a, a theme around this on, on each episode here. Um, but the first question is, if you were starting out in sales again, what would you want to tell yourself now you've been in the industry seven, eight years? I think the thing I would probably tell myself is, and it's been a topic that we've covered off here today, really, is just ask the questions you don't want to hear the answers to. I think very early on in my sales career, I would shy away. I would get really excited about an opportunity because someone had got buy-in and you know they told me they liked what I was trying to, to trying to sell them and it sounded great and they'd be on my forecast and they'd be on there for two or three months and I would follow up with them you know weekly and chase them because you know what they told me they're interested but because I shied away from asking those difficult questions because I didn't want to give them the opportunity to to sort of almost quash that that excitement. Um, it probably meant that early on in my sales career, I was wasting time and effort and opportunities that weren't going to happen. And looking back now, I would rather say, do you know what? Lose quickly. If, it, if it's not there, I'm not going to win. Let's move past that, move on to the next one. It's, it's a cliche, but you know, every no is one step closer to a yes. You do put the time and effort in, you will find someone. So that would probably be my biggest bit of advice because I was in my early days, I was very guilty of focusing a lot of time and effort on, on people who get made the right noises, but I hadn't asked the right questions to, to vet them in or out. Okay, nice. And, and the last one is, you know, to be an expert or a master in your craft, you must always take the student-led approach. We're always learning. So what was the last thing that you learned, you know, that is relevant to kind of the sales space that you are now adopting in whatever facet into your kind of go-to-market strategy? I think, to be honest, my biggest thing of late, um, it's probably quite timely with this podcast, is social selling. Um, I've always been really good at calling people, building relationships. Um, once I get them having an initial discovery call or a demo, really great at building a solid relationship, relating it back. But I probably haven't been as good at maybe warming those leads up. Um, and one thing I've definitely noticed more and more recently, um, you know, not just from my time at Selligence, but my time at other companies as well, more and more, is that it, it's a lot easier. The days where you can just call through to someone, get through, and you get your elevator pitch is, is, is becoming harder. They're trying to make it more difficult for us as salespeople. There's technology out there that blocks and you know stops emails. Wow. So I think we just need to have more of a creative tact. And um I've seen a lot of really good people lately who do social selling really well. 
um, they build out their brands, they become subject matter experts that people want to go to. Um, so mm. for me, that's probably the thing that I have more recently picked up and I'm definitely still a student at that. Um, definitely need to increase my social media presence with stuff like that. So yeah, I'm humble enough to admit that that's an area I need to, uh, to focus on. Nice. Well, I, I appreciate that. And for people, you know, listening to this and, and wanting to reach out to you where, where best to find you, do you, LinkedIn, is that the best place to connect with you and, and ask you some questions about your Q4 experiences? Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my email address will probably be posted alongside this. Um, my mobile number right. will be as well. Feel free to reach out to me. It doesn't even have to be necessarily about you know our services or our platform. I think we're all one big sales community and we could probably all learn and leverage off each other. So yeah, happy right. to, to help anyone who wants to have a discussion or conversation. All right. Listen, well, appreciate you so much coming on today, mate. Um, it's been great to, to chew the fat off uh, Q4. Hopefully we've helped given some people some advice. Um, but you know, like anything, like you said, we're a community here. Any other questions, any other thoughts, please reach out, let us know, and, and we can spar it out with with you guys. So uh have a good one. Good luck with uh your end to, to Q4. Yeah. Uh, I, I will surely be watching. Um, <laughs> and yeah, all the best and have a good one. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.